Simultaneously. Instead, he made a deal with Licinius, who was not only closer than Maximinus, but also less powerful. Licinius would become his ally. In return, Licinius, now nearing sixty, would marry Constantine's half-sister, the eighteen-year-old Constantia. Licinius accepted the deal with alacrity. In his first gesture of good faith towards his brother-in-law-to-be, he met Maximinus die in battle on April 30th, 313, six months after Constantine entered Rome. Licinius had fewer than 30,000 men, while Dyer had assembled 70,000, but Licinius's army, like Constantine's, marched under the banner of the Christian god. It was a useful rallying point. Maximinus Dyer had vowed in Jupiter's name to stamp out Christianity in his domains, and the presence of the Christian banner pointed out that the battle for territory had become a holy war. The armies met on the poorly named Campus Serenus, outside the city of Adrianople, and Licinius's smaller army outfought Maximinus's. Maximinus Dyer fled in disguise, but Licinius followed him across the province of Asia and finally trapped him in the city of Tarsus. Seeing no escape, Maximinus Dyer swallowed poison. Unfortunately, he indulged in a huge last meal first, which delayed the poison's action. The historian Lactantius writes that he took four days to die. The force of the poison, repelled by his full stomach, could not immediately operate, but it produced a grievous disease resembling the pestilence. Having undergone various and excruciating torments, he dashed his forehead against the wall, and his eyes started out of their sockets, and now, become blind, he imagined that he saw God, with his servants arrayed in the white robes sitting in judgment on him. Then, amidst groans like those of one burnt alive, did he breathe out his guilty soul in the most horrible kind of death. Nor was it the last horrible death— Licinius then murdered Maximinus Dyer's two young children, both under the age of nine, and drowned their mother. He also put to death three other possible blood claimants to the eastern throne, all children of dead emperors. Constantine found it prudent to ignore the bloodshed. The two men met in Mediolanum, modern Milan, to celebrate Licinius's marriage to Constantia and to issue an empire-wide proclamation that made Christianity legal, which was highly necessary, given that both men had now wrapped themselves in the flag of God in order to claim the right to rule. In fact, Christianity had been tolerated in all parts of the empire except the East for some years, but this proclamation, the Edict of Milan, now spread this protection into Maximinus Dyer's previous territories. No one whatsoever should be denied the opportunity to give his heart to the observance of the Christian religion, the edict announced. Any one of these who wishes to observe Christian religion may do so freely and openly without molestation. We have also conceded to other religions the right of open and free observance of their worship for the sake of the peace of our times, that each one may have the free opportunity to worship as he pleases. Property which had previously been confiscated from Christians was supposed to be returned. All Christian churches were to be turned over to Christian control. Let this be done, the edict concluded, so that, as we have said above, divine favor towards us, which, under the most important circumstances we have already experienced, may, for all time, preserve and prosper our successes together with the good of the state. The Good of the State In Lactantius's accounts, Constantine is a servant of the divine, and his enemies are brought low by the judgment of God himself. Eusebius, the Christian priest who wrote Constantine's biography, reflects the same point of view. Constantine is the God-beloved,
bringing the knowledge of the Son of God to the people of Rome. Eusebius was Constantine's friend, and Lactantius was a starving rhetoric teacher until Constantine hired him as court tutor and changed his fortunes. But their histories are motivated by more than a desire to stay on the emperor's good side. Both men understood, perhaps before Constantine had managed to articulate it even to himself, that Christianity was the empire's best chance for survival. Constantine could deal with the problem of multiple emperors. He had already eliminated two of his three rivals, and Licinius's days were numbered. No, the empire was threatened by a more complex trouble. For centuries, it had been a political entity within which provinces and districts and cities still maintained their older, deeper identities. Tarsus was Roman, but it was also an Asian city where you were more likely to hear Greek than Latin on the streets. North Africa was Roman, but Carthage was an African city with an African population.